0: Anyone's Game Podcast. Following women's football.
1: Hello everyone, welcome to the Anyone's Game Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon McComb. In this episode, we'll take a look back at all the key events of the weekend's action, discuss the major talking points and tell you about the biggest stories from Sunday. Joining me today is Robbie Hanratty.
0: Hi Gordon, good to be here.
1: Good to have you, good to have you. Well, there was plenty of controversy this weekend, Patrick Thistle manager Brian Graham and Celtic gaffer Fran Alonso had plenty of questions for the officials in their games at Peters Hill Park. Robbie, we'll start with Celtic, who already had Kelly Clark deputising when Glasgow City took the lead in their clash. Do you think there was a foul in the build-up?
0: Yeah, I can understand Fran Alonso where he's coming from. There probably is a slight foul in that build-up to the goal, but it's one of those when emotions are heightened, you've lost your your third-choice goalkeeper, you've already got Chloe Logan and Richard Johnston out injured. I think motions are heated for Fran and I wouldn't be happy with following the build-up and obviously conceding a goal against rivals, so much repercussions from that as we've got to go on to speak about in terms of where they might finish this season but I think going by just the whole season, there's always got to be decisions that don't make one manager happy or make the other one happy or, as we figured out last week when the borough Glasgow Women game, sometimes decisions that make both teams unhappy. So I think it's just the nature of the uh, way the season's going.
1: Well, there's certainly question marks as well, not just for Fran Alonso, but, but for uh, for Caitlin Hayes. She was the one uh, fouled in the build-up to the first goal, but she could well have been off the pitch soon afterwards. There was a, a little kick-out uh, in our ongoing battle between herself and uh, Odi Fuletadulu. A little kick-out Referee seems to spot it, seems to give the yellow card for it. I'll be honest, I think I've seen reds given for that, and uh, given for those kind of actions. Uh, and uh, I'll be honest, at the time when I watched it happen live, I, I, I was of a similar vein that I, I was expecting Caitlin Hayes to, to have to take a walk and for Celtic to, to be down to 10, and things be even more difficult for them.
0: That's what I mean, Gordon. Decisions might go your way one minute where are not getting sent off because we've all seen retaliations similar to that, or even. Less than that end up in a red if you even show that intent to uh, kick out an opponent. So I think he probably did get away lightly with just a booking from the referee, but then, like, Fan was unhappy with one thing, but he's got to count himself lucky that he had 11 players on the park. So it's probably a double edged sword in that aspect, but I totally do think you're walking a tightrope when you're lashing out on an opponent.
1: Well, for Partick in the earlier game, they had double trouble with the referees. First, disallowing a goal for the hosts, then permitting another for visitors to Aberdeen. The decisions have had a profound impact on the result of that game. Partick lost two one in the end. Should we perhaps have had a different outcome, Robbie?
0: Coming from the Aberdeen camp, it seemed like one of those smash and grab sort of results. Didn't play the best. You can't. You look at that. The pass back, which came to Cameron Beattie's opener. You can't really. argue with that I think the referee did get that spot on because the goalkeeper Meach has got both hands on the ball probably a bit naive from the young goalkeeper didn't really know why he should pick that up but it's one of those they took that opportunity but then as you say had a goal disallowed could have that been allowed if you go into lead or two goal lead or whatever would Aberdeen come back it's a lot of ifs and buts and I think it's I say this in the men's game a lot in terms of until you've got our oh, video assistant referees, you don't know we could talk about these for days. And it's one of those that until someone really identifies or does something about it, I really don't know. But I understand Brian Graham's frustration completely. What do you think?
1: Well, as you see, his initial complaints about not going to up from, from where we were standing, sports scene, unfortunately, the, their footage they don't get from just from where the camera position they don't get a good look at exactly what happens. Um, it's why they don't use a replay. Because there's no other camera to kind of get give you a better picture of what happens, but from from what I saw and uh, Dylan Murdoch who was there with me as well will probably attest to, to something similar. Is there was an expectation from both of us that it would be disallowed. That, that Mietje got you know two hands on the ball, albeit you know just about. It was an absolute scrabble in the six yard box. I think she does just enough to get two hands on it before it's prodded home. I would, would also follow that with, with... Brian's not got the best view of it either, uh, given his position. So it's it's one that you know we'll never really know without someone with fan footage or, or something of the like if someone's picked it up that way. The second big uh, moment of contention, I didn't see much uh, initially in Aberdeen's equaliser. Uh, but looking back, yeah, uh, Bailey Hutchison does put two hands in the back of Rosie Slater. And uh, look, it would be... A soft free kick, I think, to give it the other way. Uh, But in the context of of scoring the equaliser, given what had already happened, yeah, I think Brian's perhaps got more to complain about for the way Aberdeen came back level. There was, uh, neither side have mentioned it, which makes me think, uh, I'm watching sports team back, there was no talk of it, makes me think um, both Del and I were wrong with this at the time that it happened. But there was expectations from us, and uh, even Bailey, when we were speaking to her after the game, the second was going to get choked off for Aberdeen. The cutback just just finds an in, in plenty of space. Uh, and we had question marks of whether or not she was in an offside position when the ball was played. Uh, clearly nothing for the assistant referee. Um, but but like I say, there was a, more than a couple of us confused as to why that one was allowed. Um, but Partick didn't make a, too much noise about that one. So uh, perhaps it was onside and we've just seen that one poorly.
0: It's funny you say that. It shows different perspectives, Gordon, because when I was watching back that, equaliser from Aberdeen I thought it was superb it was superb play up from the back and then to play the ball through to Hutchison. I just thought it was great strength from the um, Aberdeen's number ten. I didn't really see it as a foul, but I understand where you're going to complain and say, Oh well, there was bars out the way. But I thought it was very good instincts from a striker to hold the ball up, nudge your defender out the way and then obviously score. But it's it's one of those that depends what side you're on, you've got to see it completely differently, are you? And then the the widow. I'll have to watch that again. Now we mentioned offside, I, I, she was in Freedoms of Space at the back post when it was put through, but wasn't aware it would be offside. But if you, if you, in view, at the game, you and Dylan were there thinking it's offside, maybe it was. But if, at the end of the day, Aberdeen were the ones that got the three points and a vital three points to, to put into two defeats prior to that.
1: For all of you listening, if you... Agree with allowing Glasgow City's first, you're probably agreeing with Aberdeen's first as well, given they're they're similar type of fouls. There's a little bit of give between both players across the tussle. And then, you know, it's just the attacker that gets the better of it. Yeah, I think uh, plenty of contention, but I think for a lot of people, it's going to be you're you're definitely in one camp for almost all the decisions or you're definitely in another camp uh, for the others. But there is one more game that I, I picked up something on that I thought was... Perhaps interesting, and, and the referee perhaps got something a little bit wrong, and that was in the Hibbs Motherwell game. Um, I've got to be honest; I think the the decision to give a penalty um, that lets the home side go four up seemed harsh in the extreme. I am probably coloured slightly by the fact of the knowing what the end result is when I watch the highlights back. But where do you stand on it, Robbie?
0: I don't like to call players out for it, but I thought it was a, I thought it was outrageous from Mickey Macalonia. Like as a minimal, very minimal contact and goes down in my in my eyes very theatrical and wins a penalty and if I was you ready 3 down it's not going your way at Motherwell to then ref he points the spot for something like that because you see the Motherwell defender like standing there pretty helpless being like I didn't touch her and I, I, don't, I wouldn't accuse anyone of deliberately trying to win a penalty but it didn't sit right with me at all watching that back at a few angles and a few times what
1: do you think yeah well, let, let you see i think uh is it speed if there is contact it it, it would make sense for the hips attacker to go down in, in that way that's i uh, uh, to be honest right I, I will kind of abstain responsibility see you know as the referee and the assistant referee who should have a decent view of it as well the two of you should be able to come up with with the right decision and let you see in my mind, the right decision was not awarding the penalty at that point because um, I don't I don't know if there was enough contact to merit a foul. and I'm always a bit nervous with, with challenges like that because the attacker, the defender, you know, is trying to get out of the way, really, and trying to get into a better position to defend space rather than make a challenge. So, you know, when you catch your... But if you're a forward and you've caught your back heel against the defender's shin, where there's no attempt at a challenge being made... It, you know, it's it's uh something that doesn't sit well with me in terms of, of then awarding a foul because of it because it's so unintentional as to look ludicrous in instances like this one.
0: I think I think you hit the nail on the head there, Gordon. and it's one of those when you're ready when a game's if it's if it's a game tight, I think it could matter more like these penalty decisions, but when it's when it's like three nil and then that's what you make it four, it's like I've seen players plenty of times book for diving in that sort of situation and see it at the weekend in other games. So it's one of those that I don't, I'm not saying, oh, Mickey McAlone or she'll dive or anything, but it was just one of those that I thought was harsh on Motherwell and we all seen I like, didn't it didn't really contribute well to the cause and at the end of the day, that's four defeats in a row for Motherwell. I don't, I'm not saying that panda to hips would have changed anything, but it's not ideal.
1: You know, it's a, it's a difficult afternoon already between some, some really good goals scored by him and some questionable defending at times uh, from Motherwell. You kind of, I'm not going to say you need the help of the referee, nor that the referee should really be helping you out. But I would have expected some more leniency with decisions by that stage going forwards, uh, And I don't think that was shown. But like you see, uh for Motherwell, with a defeat on Sunday, it's four away defeats. And they've conceded 19 goals in that time period. 7-1, obviously, at the weekend. 6-0 at Glasgow, City. Five one to Aberdeen. Uh, and the defeat to Hearts as well, rounding that one out as well. Their last win comes at home at Alliance Park when they beat Spartans 3-0 in the game prior to those four. Is it as simple as to say, you know, away from home, they've got a real problem with keeping the ball at the back of the net?
0: The goals they conceded in the sheer number of goals they conceded, it'd be a major concern for Paul Brownlee. And I just find that... Baffling to remind me, Motherwell of Kelly, in terms of how inconsistent they can be. One minute I'm talking them up, saying they're doing really well, because they have mustered up a few very good performances. I thought Leanne Crichton and Amy Anderson were forming a formidable partnership in the midfield, and we've got London Pollard, Carla Boyce. have got great players there at Motherwell, and I just, something just not going right. When they've conceded 60 Coles this season, the most in the league by far. It's well, The players I'm talking about here, obviously, uh attackers. Maybe it's just defence and they're not good enough and they just switch off away from home because some of the goals probably can be avoidable. Or one of them, I think, for Hibbs, you just need to put a challenge in, slide in, or just put them off and you might actually not concede. But it just seemed too easy for Hibbs. We all knew on Sunday there probably would be a backlash to losing to Spartans and did fancy hips to win, but not in that manner in terms of so emphatically
1: yeah certainly you're looking at when when it, when you've got a couple of games that have ended up in the manner that they have from Motherwell. it it's less about skill or ability and becomes a lot more about mentality and I think you know it testament to how badly things have been going for them of late by goal five or six on the sports scene highlights you see heads were dropping um i'll uh, I'll not name names but there was in a couple of the plays that the sports scene showed. You know, there's plenty of time for for forwards and midfielders to get back and, and pitch in, but the game's beyond them, and, and and there wasn't much of that. Now, whether that's tiredness, you know, it's been a been a long old season full of challenges. Um, whether it's just because it's been a difficult run of games, I, I'm not sure. But it was. You're going to need a performance soon from Motherwell, where everyone digs in, um, all hands to the pump kind of thing when when you're defending, because clearly something needs to change to stop these kind of scorelines. And it's not fair for us really to be talking about the the amount of goals they're conceding, without paying lip service to the fact that like you know six have come against a Glasgow City side hitting form at just about the right time. A Hib side wanting a backlash. No slight on um, uh, your your famous Aberdeen, but that's probably one of the performances of their season. That five one over Motherwell. Um, it's not just a case of them playing the wrong teams at the wrong times, but I think that perhaps there's a little bit of you know. Uh, when they get put away, they get put away substantially,
0: yeah, and that's the thing the probably the worrying thing in training. I know players can't dwell on it too much, but the next fixture is against Celtic, so it doesn't get any easier considering speaker backlash with Celtic on uh, at the moment that they'll be probably looking for a reaction to that defeat to Glasgow City as well, so Motherwell it's one of those that it is just trying to keep things tight and it's. I think maybe it's quality over quantity for Motherwell. I think they've got a very good squad in terms of names, but I don't know if something must have snapped me gelling because you look at one minute they were in the top half of the league, you're thinking, you know, oh, they might be chasing Hibs. And now they're looking down the table with only three points separating them and hearts and some tricky games coming up. But I don't like to like call out teams or players and say, oh, you're terrible. But it's just, but it will be concerning for them. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, well, next up, we'll uh, look across to uh, Motherwell's next opponents in Celtic. A little bit more discussion needed on them because for Fran Alonso's side, they're more or less out of contention for the title um, or for the European place that comes with finishing second. Their Glasgow rivals are proving to be uh, just too much for them to keep up with. It does beg the question, you know, what next for the Hoops? Is this season a success if they complete the other half of a cup double and still finish third?
0: I'd say so. Well... Probably the money it's in it in the commercial side of things for Celtic and probably all the fans, you'd want to be winning the league. You don't want Rangers, it's like with the men's football as well, you don't want Rangers, you don't want your better rivals winning the league, but winning the cup double, I, I'd still think that is a success because you'd have to beat, you have to beat the best to be the best. So I think it's probably, it's probably a bit of sweet for Fernando Alonso because you you wouldn't want to be 11 points off top at this stage of the season. And probably at times just been cheap goals or like one goal defeats, margins and all that. And it's happened quite a few times. And it's a tough one because Fran says, oh, until it's mathematically over, et cetera, that uh, they keep believing they'll do this, they'll do that. But you've got to come to a point that they you know they're still so far ahead of Hibs, but it'll be a very, very long shot with eight games or so to go to catch Rangers or Glasgow City with, without... If they would won that game, obviously, on Sunday, that might have been a different story. But you've got to just question... Well, I don't know, do you think that a double would suffice? Would Celtic fans or fans, players, be happy with a double?
1: I wouldn't go all revisionist history, but I, I seem to recall um, Fran speaking about... Whenever Fran speaks about these sorts of things, he's always quick to play down at the start of the season. He was quick to play down. They wanted to challenge for the title. Uh, and for a, a large portion of the season, they've done that. Uh, make no bones about it. It might not have gone the way they wanted. They've beaten Glasgow City for the SWPL Cup. If they were then to win the Scottish Women's Cup, two trophies, albeit not the one that's the most important, will still be very nice. It will still feel very good. And they can look back at, you know, speaking to Fran after the uh, the SWPL Cup win uh, and the whole squad, you, the atmosphere from, from that squad was electric in the post-match. Um, you could see how much... It meant to them, so to 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 do a double would be, you know, a great success on, on that front. But yeah, still there'll, there'll be plenty of disappointment about how they performed in the league. But I think they were perhaps the ones that had down as most, the closest to what you would call outsiders in a three horse race for the league. Um Glasgow City have had their wobble, but they, how many times do we do we, you know, roll this cliche out? They do what champions do and scrape through and uh, you know pick up wins where perhaps they should be picking up draws and just have enough quality, recruit the right ways and hit form at the right times. You know, all these little cliches that come out because they know how to win, not just games, they know how to win titles. And for Rangers, look, you know, make no bones about it, this is a, a Ranger side that were capable of winning the title last season and had injuries and the like not got in the way they probably would have. Nothing changes when they recruit heavily again, bring in a, a lot of talent and the talent is starting to show on the pitch.
0: Yeah, I think it's good. For a viewership aspect, it's great in Scottish women's football to have these top players coming to Scotland and seeing Rangers, Celtic, Glasgow City invest in their games. And as you say, Celtic were probably always going to be the outsiders. St. Charlie Welling's who's been a huge success, but they have got quite a young team. But as Rangers, look at the amount of international players in their side, and then you look at Glasgow City, they're just like the earmark they've been there, done that, and they'll continue to. That's why I think it would be amazing if they could win the league again this season. I know they're top by a point, but Rangers have got games in hand. But for not having, being associated with like a professional men's team and having that backing, Glasgow City seem to do it time and time again. And it's a credit to Laura Montgomery and all else at the club for bringing in these players and having that set-up that seems to be so successful. And I did find funny, in the build-up to that game on Sunday, Fern Alonso said that... You had to change the dimension of the pitch in training because obviously Peter's Hill part's very narrow. So I'm surprised did he blame anything on the pitch when you were speaking to
1: him? It did come up in conversation. It did come up in conversation. Only only slightly, understandably there were other problems to deal with. He, he was much more unhappy, you know, as we've touched on already, the the scoring of the first goal and, and dealing with the uh, the goalkeeping situation. And just just on that, just a little segue uh, detour on that one, I find it mad. Mad that you bring in Anna Vicente and uh, she gets injured, um, and we're speaking after the game and they've had to. The manner in which they've had to bring Anna in, and they're going to have to do that again because there's no emergency loans procedure or anything like that for Celtic. So uh, a club is is strongly having to think about you know who plays in goal as an outfielder in the next match if we can't find someone if we can't find someone of sufficient quality that's you know that's worth bringing to the club to play in goals. and so that's that's uh, probably, there's a few things that are, are now much more of a concern than, than the size of Peterborough Park for for France.
0: That, that's no disrespect to, I've seen Kelly Clark said to Dylan, land um, yourself, about she doesn't mind if she has to go in goals again and be a makeshift goalkeeper and all that. And that's credit. She says, I'll do what I need to do for the club. And we all know how passionate she is for Celtics. She got a Scotland call out recently. But, Public like Celtic, it's yeah, as you say, it's just mental to see them um, in that situation. And you talk about your for- fortunes not going your way. That that just sums up when twelve minutes into a game, your yeah, emergency, well, third choice goalkeeper, placement goalkeeper, basically is injured, and then you're like, well, what do I do? Like you look at earlier in the season, the, um, part of this, so I had to play an outfield goalkeeper in goals for quite a few games as well, so it's not. Uncommon for that to happen in next to a PL, but for a club like Celtic, it's, it's it's crazy, to be honest. And it'll be one that Fred will be scratching his head about trying to work out what he does for the games coming. And maybe, maybe that's a chance for him the while to get some points on board for playing Celtic well, a recognised goalkeeper.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's not the way you, you want to earn points, but it's perhaps um, however it comes, you'll take it kind of thing. But yeah, like I say, question marks uh, over the rules that are in place that have now had to like you say two teams playing without a recognized goalkeeper and a, a, and not just a, a recognized goalkeeper I mean someone who's trained this season as a goalkeeper apart from having to train because you're preparing for a game where you know you're playing because there's no one else um that that seems i'll be honest that seems farcical farcical that you're asking outfield players to play goals because you don't have a, a rule set up in a manner to to accommodate that We're going to move on to some discussions about some of the other title races you've heard already about the SWPL one title race, down to two challengers, Celtic, mathematically incapable of taking top spot, but still have a chance of the European spots with second mathematically. Realistically, though, yeah, your SWPL one title race, down to two challengers. The SWPL two title race, well, um, signed steel delivered by Dundee United, 20 points clear, and uh, really only one option there. Which means we're looking down to tier three in the SWF Championship South could well go down to the wire. Uh, Rossville sit top currently with Gartcarn three points behind and a game in hand. Uh, they've got little breathing room, but perhaps just enough behind them. Renfrew and Livingston come next on the thirty-nine points, followed by Edinburgh City on thirty-seven. But like gutcairn Livingston, and Edinburgh City have a game in hand and plenty of ground to make up. We've reached the uh, the bitter end of the season now, haven't we, Robbie?
0: Absolutely. And I think it's exciting. We've said this for a few weeks now in a resident lower league reporter, Peter Quinn, he he talks about it all the time. The SWF championship itself is just so exciting because you just can't really predict who's going to be that team that is going to triumph and get promotion or get a playoff spot or whatever, because so little points separate the sides. And it's a case of who can hold the nerve with only a few games to go, but... It's one that, it's a league that, with the way the SWPL1 is, yeah, you've got the Glasgow clubs still competing, but when you've got five or six teams all winning a chance to win the league, it's not common. I think it's it's good it's good to see, actually. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure everyone of that players and all those sides will be confident that they can be an SWPL2 side next season.
1: Yeah, you've certainly seen across the season a split develop in the Championship South between. I guess it's really two tiers of teams within a league, uh, and at the top, it's been interesting to see that, that none of those teams have really been able to separate themselves out from each other. This is this is perhaps one of the biggest gaps we've had in a in a good while, if memory serves properly, between top and and, and kind of middle order of the of the table. And even then, you've not got many games, you know, left in the season, and uh, to have such a short gap as well. It means that each game week takes on such a massive importance. It means there's always going to be a storyline for those looking to get across to a game that don't fancy going to an SWPL one or an SWPL two game, or if you're like me and try and do two at once uh, from one to the other. It's doable sometimes, uh, but there's certainly plenty of intrigue yet to come. It Feels like a, a bit of a shootout. I mean, yeah, you know, like I say, you would you'd be backing one of Rossville and Gartcain to take the league, given where they are.
0: The funny thing is, you'd say Rossville and Gartcain in Rightly so, but if you look at Livingston, they've got, like, like even teams at like Livingston and Edinburgh City, when you're game in hand, you're getting, because obviously some teams are on 16 games, some are on 17, when you're game in hand, you're right up there with Rossville, got and Renfrew, and I just think it's always, it'll come down to games against each other, but it's always, you see it in football all the time, there's always a slip-up or getting men's or man, City drawing the night when you don't expect it, so... I'd say it's one, I'll be keeping a very close eye on it. will probably go down to the last day, which if it does, we'll need it be helicopter Sunday and we'll need to get everyone out to each of the places.
1: Yeah, and like I say, we'll switch back to SWPL two just for a second, just to say massive credit to Dundee United because you're, you're you know, like I say, it, it's uh it's ridiculous how how strong a side uh, they look um in that league and the most teams that have come up from the swpl to Hamilton probably the ones having having the worst time of it at the moment. But if you're looking at your Aberdeen, your Partick Thistle's, you, Dundee United have got to look at coming up and and feeling reasonably confident that they can mix it with a you know a good chunk of the league.
0: Yeah, I, I think Dundee United. I backed them to win the league and I've had that feeling for a while that if they if they go up, which they are going to go up, but I think they're not just going to like be one of those sides that unfortunate the Hamilton that you're getting. Beat most weeks. I think Dundee United can be a force. And you look at Aberdeen; they've won seven, almost half of the games this season, and fighting for the top half spot. And I think Dundee United could do the exact same. Players like Danny McGinley, absolutely fantastic player. You've got like Megan Burns, you've got Cassie Calper. They've got players that have played in top flight or played experienced tools. And I think all I can say is eighteen games and no losses this season, only fourteen goals conceded. It's incredible, really, and that's a. 20 point gap between them and Glasgow girls so shows consistency has just been so key for United and it's been there and well done
1: I will just uh, interject slightly to say you know there's plenty of times I've watched Hamilton highlights and thought they've looked good uh, good enough in some areas Um so it's, as well, like, yeah, they're getting beat most weeks, but the performance level is is still there and you'd, you'd back them. Say they went down to SWPL2, I know that's perhaps something that doesn't look like it's on the cards this season, uh, given restructuring. If they went down to SWPL2, I'd still expect them to, to kind of mix it and, and, you know, be first up for promotion. So they're going into, Dundee United to be going into a, a league where, you know, every team should really be backing themselves to try and take fifth, uh, you know, and and try and put pressure on Hibs who are, you know de facto fourth most seasons now.
0: Very true, and I think that's a good point with league restructuring. It's good to see teams like Dundee United and obviously Aberdeen have us back-to-back promotions after two relegations, so it's good to see these big clubs as such Where women's side going to be in the top flight, and it makes it more exciting, and hopefully we've seen Hibs are going to be playing at Easter Road in a couple of weeks' time, Aberdeen are playing Rangers at Petology, and there's obviously Celtic are playing at Parkhead, so For these teams, I wouldn't be surprised if Dungeons United will do that next season, being in the top flight. And it gets that new generation of supporters and interest in one's game. And I guess, Gordon, that's what we're all here to do, is give the one's game as much exposure as possible.
1: Have you got any other topics you want to cover, Robbie? That's me done with my my list of, of things I had coming into this.
0: Obviously, last week. On Io Best, a podcast, we had Lucy Ronald and Cara Henderson from Glasgow Girls and Women on the show. In the weekend, it was a 2-0 draw with Carmournick. Do you feel, because I back come out for the second this season in the S2PL2, do you feel now they're eight points off Glasgow Girls and Women, obviously a game in hand? They have came into form where I'm beating the last four games, Kelly, I must say. But do you think it's be too late for them to put a charge for that second spot?
1: I think they'd be feeling a lot more comfortable had they taken all three in terms of feeling a lot more comfortable with, with, a, with a challenge if they're taking all three at the weekend. Uh, the draw gives you an as you were. Um, I mean, you, you, you're right, Killy have hit form at just the right time. Is form enough? Um, the other, I guess it's, it's more of a question for will Glasgow girls and women have enough in the mental aspects of the game, to keep rolling and to keep picking up points and to keep winning games and to keep doing it comfortably as the pressure starts to turn. Uh, as we get to, like we say, the business end of the season where you disregard performances and you take points, you you want, to, you want to do enough to win the game. It doesn't matter how scrappy it comes. It doesn't matter how good it goes. You'll focus just on winning points. If Glasgow Girls and Women can uh, can keep that approach going uh, uh, and just churn out results, it's going to be tough for Kelly to catch them. But as far as you can say, like, Killy are doing all they can to be in that position to, to chase them down.
0: It annoys me just watching Killy. They have scored the second most amount of goals in the league this season. And I've seen Lisa Swanson tweeted that was their 10th goal of the season at the weekend. But they concede too many goals as well and often end up behind in games and chasing games and ends up draws and things like that. So that could inevitably cost them because the other side, that's why I backed them second because I'd watched them a lot last season play, try to play good football and
1: would be wrong of us not to to pay some lip service to the good work from Spartans three wins on the spin, two wins against uh, their Edinburgh rivals or or not rivals depending on who you listen to or speak to at different times of the season is it a derby, is it not a derby I, I've got to say that the Hearts that the, the reaction suggests strongly that, that that is not a derby, the Hibs one slightly different but yeah, you know, they're going great guns at just the right time after, you know, we've said a couple of times what kind of indifferent season they've had, all the draws. You, you love trotting out the draw specialist tag. But yeah, no, credit. Uh, Callie Gibb comes back in, scores. Great to see, great to have her back in the team as well. And for uh, Emmett McFadden, who, you know, comes off the bench, debut for Spartans, scores a goal in, in perhaps the most comical way to to mark your debut with a goal. Um, <laughs> They all count, uh, but to head her at the far post, off that far post, back into you and over the line. Look, uh, they all count, but if she didn't get grief in the changing rooms afterwards for that one, um, you know, Spartans have done something wrong there. She she uh, she made sure it got in just about.
0: Yeah, I loved Spartans' tweet after the game. It was like, what a way to introduce yourself to the SWPL and then tag ben McFadden. In. And as you say, it's. They all count off the mark for a new club. Can't go better than that. But probably for tourists at the end of the day, the way the goal happened. It's probably a theme today, hitting him at the right time. And I rightly have said Spartan's draw specialist, eight draws this season, five more than anyone else really in that league. But they're turning these draws into wins now. And that wasn't, that was emphatic against hearts. And it's funny, me and Andrew on Sunday's podcast were, Praising Eva Ollard and Hearts and having a young squad, like a lot of 16, 17, 18 year olds, and that doesn't take away from that, they're developing a lot of great players, but yeah, you do make a good point there, it looks like they'll be second bottom, and one team on the down, one team on the up, and Spartans are the one on the up, but it's four games unbeaten as well, like a draw before that three victories on the bounce, and yeah they've got Rangers away next, but they've got to go into that confident and you mentioned the Cali Gibb coming back. I think she's been a big miss and a very talented star, Spartans have got there.
1: Credit also needs to go to uh, Robin McCafferty, who not only was on the winning side at the weekend, two perfect scores, uh, all right, but one in the anyone's game predictor. We were talking about title races um, a wee bit ago, and uh, well, look, there's not one <laughs> in the anyone's game prediction tables. There isn't one. Robin, you've gone full Dundee United. You're, you're way ahead of the rest of us.
0: Yeah, I know. Who, whose idea was it to uh, have predicted this season? And I think we said football shirt of their choice for the winner. Hope Robin's picking an Aberdeen one, I tell you that.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Well, look, we've, uh, we're pretty much out of time. In fact, we're we're way over what we should have been because we've been nattering on too much. But hopefully there's been plenty uh, for you listening in to to think about, it, discuss with your friends, your family, whoever, bother someone else, you know, badger them in uh, to joining us and talking about the SWPL. Uh, let us know what you think. Was Brian Graham right to be aggrieved about the decisions that didn't go his way? Ditto Fran Alonso. And much more importantly for Celtic fans, is your season a success? Is it a failure? Does it need to be a cup double to be a success? Or is Third and one cup win enough for you. Motherwell, look, yeah. What's it going to take to turn the the season around? And how harshly done by were you for that penalty in the game at the weekend as well? It's been a difficult time. How are you feeling? How do you keep the spirits up heading in to play Celtic next? For anyone else that's that's interested, not sure what game to go to, surely now you're more than interested and what's going on in the SWF Championship South. Plenty of teams with a chance of winning the league there. Uh, Get across to some of those and uh, see what life is like third tier of Scottish women's football. You can catch up with anyone's game on Twitter, on Instagram, and don't forget, obviously, we've got our main Substack page. If you're not already subscribed to that, it's free at the moment. Get subscribed to that. Read up about what we're saying. You'll be kept up to date with when we put podcasts and the like out as well. So get following us and get listening in, let us know what you think. And so all that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much for joining me, Robbie.
0: Yeah, thanks very much for having me. Great to chat about another week of Scottish women's football.
1: You'll hear us all in the next one. Bye-bye.